Episode five of the circuit is now now being recorded. How are you doing, Jay? I'm good. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I mean, you and I have had so much to talk about text-wise with earnings and debacles happening that that's been fun. I'm I'm uh, I'm excited about upcoming episodes where we where we digest uh, maybe some earnings and and dig into. Uh, fun financial and investor economics. I'm te- I'm just teasing a future episode. This is the point of my ramble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I do. I, I should note that I, I talked to a longtime listener, Patrick, who, who said the thing he liked most about our show is how we just get right to the point. Right <laughs> the to topic. the point, baby. Right to the point. All right. Yeah. So on that matter, carrying on with our themes, um, kind of just looking at, at the, the high level of the industry, let's talk about architectures. We've got x86, we've got ARM, and we've got RISC-V really in the conversation. And, you know, at at a high level, I mean, I think this is important because you've got two players doing x86. Who knows if this gets opened up? I mean, maybe if Intel's futures change, they license more x86 to whoever. I doubt it. I'm just throwing this out there as as one of the, the thesis. But then we have ARM. Which, by nature of uh, its its license structure, really kind of allows a lot of people to one make their own architectures. There's a handful of architectural licensees, which um, you know we may want to just explain. And then there's people who can just buy the standard IP and create their own uh, their own SOC or design blocks and and have those made at a, at a fabulous foundry. And so you get this really big ecosystem. And so those are the kind of the two. Architectures obviously ARM much much larger. Um, x86 skews. This is obviously debatable. Well, let's just say for the moment x86 skews high performance. Um, but yeah, I mean this is a it's an interesting battle, right? But you kind of only got a couple players on x86, Intel and AMD. You got a lot of players on ARM, but these two kind of dynamics still go head to head as Intel. Uh, or as x86 tries to become more like ARM and ARM tries to become more like 86. Anyway, high level, a few things I think are are interesting and we can touch on the risk five stuff after, but I'll let you I'll let you kind of chime, chime in on your your thinking on architectures. So from a high level, I think you and I are gonna have some some areas where we disagree on, especially around X the future X86 and its future. Mm-hmm. Um like I'm excited. Is, is I'm really excited. Higher, higher, is, is it really higher performance? Let's let's dig into that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a really important topic. It's very very timely. There's so much going on. You you have Intel going through just an awful week with its earnings. Uh, you have this. We have all this drama around ARM for the last two years. Who owns it? What's going on in China? But underneath that, ARM is still everywhere. And then you have Risk Five, which I'm, I think I'm in the uh, camp of being a big, uh, a big proponent of. I mean, not necessarily. I, I don't have an opinion on it technically. I'm just saying I think it has incredible. I would argue unstoppable momentum at this point, and it's going to start showing mm-hmm. up in a lot of wild places soon. Yeah. So 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 yeah. So so let's let's go back to this, and and I'll, and I'll make a I'll make a point that I'm not technically savvy enough in in architecture design, but, but just conversations I've, I've had, I've been told, and, and maybe you have a different opinion for the, I've, I've been told that there's theoretically no performance per watt 
benefit in either camp x86 or arm so for example if intel would have started from the same place as arm i've been told theoretically they could have created a low power architecture right but this has been the struggle for x86 it just for whatever reason has not been able to be low power and arm has right but they started from two opposite spectrums um but I think that's interesting because that's not what I would have thought. My my initial thought was like, look, it's just a power hungry process, right? Having a, um, you know, not, not being a risk-based processor, being one that's a little bit more computationally intense in terms of its clock cycles. My thinking was, well, hey, it's just, it's going to be power hungry by nature of the fundamentals of its technology, whereas a, you know, a, a risk-based is not. and there we landing, but I've been told that that again it could be it could have been efficient. It's just a flaw in the design, or again, just not not a not the flaw in the design. It's the decisions or trade offs that were made to really focus on more performance than more you know efficiency. So I'll kick it over to you on on how you see that. Yeah, so I look at it two two ways. One is the one you just touched on is the trade offs, right? Engineering is, at some high level, just an endless series of trade-offs, right? You have to make a decision. You can do this or you can do that, but you can't do both, right? And I think it's absolutely true that for much of Intel's history, they were making the choice always to go with higher, higher power, better performance, because they were selling into the, to the PC market, and that's what really mattered, right? How many clock cycles do you have? What's your, you know, what's your clock rate? How fast does it go? How powerful is it? And, and that still matters a lot to a lot of people, a lot of customers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you could argue that they just optimized in that, that way and 30 years of path dependency made it structurally impossible for them to build a chip that was power efficient. Um, I shouldn't say impossible. It just, like, they ended up here for a reason. It's not a, it's not a bug. It's a feature. They made deliberate decisions that did them pretty well for a long time. Right. There's there's another there's another argument though that I, I, I read recently and I'll try and find the link where the argument was that the the big difference between uh, I mean at a high level the big difference between x86 and ARM is that complicated instruction set versus reduced instruction set risk versus risk right. debate which was right. a big a big right. thing in the 80s and it wasn't so much I, I think at, I think what people are saying is that risk versus risk isn't necessarily uh, not neither one is necessarily more power efficient, but when ARM came on the scene, you know, after Intel and x86 had already built up significantly, what ARM offered with RISC was just a very, very pared down instruction set. Right there, there weren't all these complicated sort of use cases and extensions added, um, and so it it was it was a clean slate in some senses, and it was able to then optimize for power efficiency. They realized that was that was their niche. And so they went that direction. If you extend that further, though, then you could say, well, after 20 years of ARM, adding all sorts of extensions, we now are in a position where risk five is the cleanest, simplest one, and is going to be the most uh, efficient. Because it's 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 so new, we don't have lots of extensions, we don't have lots of complicated things added into it over the years. And I think either either path you take, I, I actually think that argument holds true, which is risk five is still very open. 
not in terms of open open source, but like just sort of open in terms of what it could do. They haven't made a generation or two of optimizations or engineering choices that led them down one path or another, uh, and and that makes them a, a good choice for a lot of a lot of applications. Mm. And and eventually, you know, twenty years from now, Risk Five will get all kludged up too, and we'll go to whatever's next, um, mm. or maybe. So I, I I look at it in that context where there there is no perfect. It's always a series of trade-offs. Yeah, Risk Five is at, here at the right time with an open slate, uh, and and I think you, some people would probably argue that Risk Five, because of how it works under the hood, is going to remain much more flexible, because mm. people, customers, designers can can now mix and match, and they don't have to necessarily add all the kludgy extensions that slow it down. So they can, they right. can have we, we will have Risk Five chips that are optimized for high performance, and we'll have Risk Five chips optimized for low power. And it's easier right. to do because it's cleaner, it's newer architecture. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I'll, I'll add a, f a few more points that at least how I think how I think at this at a at a at a high level. So there's categories where we've seen successive architectures, and then there's categories where those architectures have been challenged. Now, there's nuances as to why. But you know, an example is one: the the PC market is has largely been dominated by x86. Obviously, Apple has changed that in terms of their ability to do their custom architecture around ARM and and hit all of the vectors. But as we talked about, you know, before Apple's unique in the way that they can develop software and whatnot. So in the Windows world, it's been x86, and obviously in the data center, it's it's been x86. Now, there's Qualcomm's trying to enter the Windows world with a with a part um, that's that'll be shipping next year uh, based on on Nuvia. They've 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 outlined. Um, we'll see kind of where they goes. Obviously, right when you kind of start from scratch with the custom architecture again, kind of like Apple, you can get rid of some of that crust, like you talked about. But the example that I think is most interesting, and I'm and I actually really want your perspective on this, given what you did with Qualcomm, is server. And the example I'm going to use is Ampere Computing because I think they're super interesting. Not that they're, you know, the most dominant player yet, but they're cer certainly somebody with a player. But but they took this approach that we're kind of talking about, and especially to some of those points you made about Risk Five, which is that you know x86 was or x86 designed uh, data center parts were really designed for the desktop, and then they were scaled up and made for the data center. And Ampere's entire point is. This is a custom architecture, obviously based on ARM. They're an ARM architectural licensee that was built from the ground up with cloud in mind. And by doing so, there's some efficiencies, right? So very similarly that Apple built M-series silicon or A-series silicon uh, re really with a purpose in mind, got rid of all that crust with a purpose in mind. It's, 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 it's delivering on their plans and ex executions. That's kind of Ampere's value proposition. And and again, ARM servers or whatever you want to say today, 3%, I don't know, something like that. But you know, you you got you were there when when Qualcomm attempted this, obviously really, really hard. ARM wants this to go there. But I think this approach of getting rid of the crud, rethinking the architecture, having a very specific focus on how you've designed it. Is, is kind of, I think, hinting at some of the dire these directions that we're going architecturally, whether that's ARM, really, or, or RISC-V, I think. 
Yeah, I, I think I, so. I'm, I'll, I'll just lay all my cards on the table now. I'm a big believer in ARM in the data center, right? I, I, I think uh, we, we are past some key inflection points. And I, I think that the main, the main sort of stumbling blocks that sort of took, made it take so long is x86 on a core for core basis. You look at an ARM core versus an x86 core. The x86 cores are bigger and they, they are higher horsepower. And so for a long time, ARM's argument was, yeah, you're, you're going to need, you, you, you can use smaller ARM cores. You'll need more of them. You can fit more in a chip and we'll be, we'll be lower power. And then somewhere in the last like two, three years, the argument flipped and it stopped being about ARM having better performance per watt. It wasn't about power efficiency. It just became about raw performance. And I think if you look at some of the, some of the, there are a bunch of use cases people have written about. They've used ARM servers in the data center for like, you know, done like for like comparisons and found much better performance on their whatever ARM server, ARM server CPU than what they're getting on x86. And I think there's some applications, it, 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 you have to look at it really granularly because there's some applications that will work better on x86 no matter what. And there's some that will work better on ARM. But yeah. I think we're now at the point where ARM performance is highly competitive with x86. Certainly better than Intel, probably, possibly better than AMD. And I, I think that's a, a crucial turning point because you, you get all that performance and you still have lower power. Right. And... And yeah, I think Ampere is is doing a great job. Um, there there are other problems that they have to contend with, like software. That's a that's another huge problem in the data center is getting all the software to work. But Ampere has done a great job. Uh, Amazon with Graviton is is right. phenomenally performative. So uh, we're 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 past some sort of key tipping point where I think ARM acceleration ARM date. ARM in the data center is at the point of acceleration, and we're just going to see a lot more of it in coming years. Yeah, I, I agree with you from a software and, and application standpoint. You know, and and really in this scenario, we're we're just talking about the CPU, which which I think is still is still relevant. Um, but obviously, a lot of just basic cloud applications, cloud databases, you know, website e-commerce. You know, a- a- Ampere's proven to run that extremely well and 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 at low low power. Um, I, so, I, so you made the point about some other, so, some key milestones and you talked about performance, you know, being one of them, were there other sort of milestones that you thought, you know, once we pass this point, you know, the, 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 the hoods off the gap pedals to the metal and, and, and arm has this opportunity. Is there anything else on those, those milestones that you observed? Well, I think the other big one is, is software, right? Because Intel did a phenomenal job for 20 years of building up the software ecosystem to run on the data center. That's mm-hmm. Linux, but then you know hundreds, thousands of other software applications that we don't necessarily think of. Open source ones, databases, all kinds of stuff. A big part of the struggle was for Qualcomm and for Ampere now is is getting software to run on ARM. And at you know at, at some level you can just hit you can hit compile. You can just click a different configuration setting on your compiler and the code will go either way from C++ into x86 or ARM. The, the problem isn't the compiling. That's like 80% of the work. It's that last mm-hmm. 20% of optimizing the right. workload. 
to get it to be as performative. And we've been doing that for a long time with x86 software on x86. It's been very painful to do the, that on ARM, but I think we're getting there. We're seeing big software, a lot of the big software companies, uh, a lot of the sort of compilers, GCCs now w works perfectly well on ARM. Like a lot of that work has been done, right? Qualcomm did some of it, Ampere's done some of it. Amazon, I think, has, has been the real big push right. behind a lot of some of this. So I, I think we're at, you know, I, it, this one's very hard to quantify because it's just all software. But I think we're uh, just anecdotally, it seems like a lot of the big tools are now optimized uh, for, for ARM. And, and you know, that, that's going to be a big, a big uh, enabler of the whole ecosystem. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious on your take then. Um, cause Ampere is a, they're an architectural licensee, which, which basically for, if people don't know what that means, it means that they take the ARM instruction set and create a custom architecture versus someone like MediaTek or, or really Marvell or Broadcom, um, who mostly just use off the shelf components, um, for ARM. Do you think, so Ampere is again, an example of being an architecture, like obviously Apple, right? So, so these are two specialized architectures that for their purpose and design have carved out a value proposition. Do, do you think that's necessary or do you think arm by nature of where they'll take IP, any basic vendor can come in and do this, which, which, which I'm essentially saying, could someone just come in and, um, and end up challenging, right? Ampere or others with a basic arm part, or will these need to be specialized uh, architectures. I'm not sure how many more people are going to want to build an ARM CPU. I think so too. Right. We have Ampere. We have a, we have a bunch of internal projects at, at the cloud scalers. Um, so so then you're talking about a startup, and a startup, no startup can afford an ARM architecture license. Right. Um, so at this point, and I, I think ARM. It, implicitly if not explicitly is is trying to move away from architecture licenses so I oh think for sure a lot more challenging totally um so so on that point then you're you if, if somebody's going to enter the the data center with a with a standardized part right so amazon's is custom uh google could do custom right microsoft hasn't yet perhaps they do but if somebody was going to come in and offer a solution to challenge Ampere, you, you think that, that it would just be a generic arm kind of vendor vendor license or, or vendor silicon approach with nothing really cu customized, but an optimized approach for, for data center on standard arm IP. Yeah. If I, I mean, just trying to think about who else is building an arm CPU. Other, so I, you have the some, some subset of the hyperscalers you have Ampere. Uh, Marvell is still working on something, I think. And then um, NVIDIA. NVIDIA is, yeah. Right, NVIDIA. And so those are all companies that either have, already have, or can get architectural licenses. Right, right. right. Um, there's probably there's probably a couple companies in China that I'm forgetting that do as well. Um, yeah, in fact, there are absolutely a bunch of, there are probably about a dozen companies in China building ARM CPUs, but those are... <laughs> Different, let's put those in a different bucket for now. Right, right, right. Um, I right. don't think they have architectural licenses. I don't think they want them. They're, but they're right. optimizing for something different. 
other than so that, I, I don't I don't see anyone else getting it. If, if anyone else is out there thinking about building a ARM CPU for servers in the data center, and you're at a startup, and that's what you're thinking about, call, call me. Let's, yeah, let's exactly. Tell us. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy. I'll buy. Please tell us. Yeah, I, and, and I asked just to say, like, oh, no, no, I, 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 well, no, I'm saying I asked because that it's it, it kind of gives us a framework for who's going to be there, right? It's 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 kind of already settled who will make their plays, which is kind of my point. I just trying to get a view of the landscape, but but I would agree with you. I mean. It, Marvell had something shutting that down. I don't know. I, I, I'm a bit more optimistic on what NVIDIA can do. I think they're, they're, uh, yeah, they're they're going to make a really interesting run uh, run at the CPU side to to go along with GPU and and CUDA. Um, but yeah, point point being, it's unlikely someone comes out of the blue, even with standard a standard ARM IP. And, and and creates a product, which again, just kind of goes back to my point. These are relatively specialized approaches, which I think is uh, a prerequisite to maybe go after some parts of, of these markets and really challenge x86 in, in, in this regard in data center. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think anyone else is going to do it. And I, I think the, the bigger issue is, well, I think there's two other issues is the market itself is the CPU market itself is highly, uh, let's call it dynamic, right? Because you have ARM, ARM entries coming. You have the hyperscalers themselves trying to do something in CPU land. But then we're moving to much more hetero heterogeneous compute in the data center. So the actual number of CPUs we need as a share of the total silicon pie in data centers is shrinking. Right? Yeah. Much more GPU, much more AI accelerator, much more special purpose custom stuff like we talked about a few weeks ago. Yeah, and so I think the overall market is going to grow, and the number of CPUs is going to grow, but the share of of silicon wallet for data centers, CPUs is, is going from ninety to I mean, it was at ninety five percent a few years ago, and it's got nothing to yep. do, got nowhere to go but down from here. And and I think what what just really interests me about this, to be honest with you, is really how kind of every landscape we're talking about these these little pockets of success or strategies where we think people will be competitive is truly moving away from general purpose silicon to much more much more specialized approaches and and I just think that's a really interesting shift uh trend do you know what I mean like monumental move in the market I, I don't know but but for every company thinking about strategy that's a huge that's a huge point to wrestle with that that this is really becoming much more specialized broadly in silicon yeah, and it's it's one more reason that I sort of get you know very anxious about Intel. I mean, not to beat them, but not to dogpile on them, but they've got so many other problems they have to deal with right now. Yeah, like even if they do climb their way out of this hole, they're gonna they're gonna emerge into a ra radically different world, right? In yeah. which suddenly the thing that they've been fighting so hard to do, like have the best CPUs, that's gonna be much less important in twenty twenty five, twenty twenty six, or whenever they get to performance parity. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, and, and we'll talk about Intel, I think in the episode we're uh, hinting at for, for next time. Uh, all right. Let's talk about, let's talk about risk five. Um, I, I know almost every major semiconductor company 
has a risk five project it's being looked at by everybody i don't know how i mean it feels like a non-secret secret um these things take time obviously it's standard but but to this discussion right if if risk five is used in a specialized approach um it makes it a bit easier to be application or category specific so so one i just kind of want you to launch into on you know i know you're you're bullish on risk five but i also want to talk about it in relation to china and and maybe just weave in because you're probably closer to this situation than I am. It's it's a bit of a debacle in ARM in China. If they IPO, I do kind of worry that some of that gets cut off. Clearly, governments can can play into that. But Risk Five actually presents a really interesting opportunity for China to kind of start from scratch with the architecture, and then again utilize that more broadly within all of the applications and their and their ambitions for custom silicon. There's a few things in there, right? <laughs> There's a few threads in there to un un untangle, right? There's a lot going on. So let, let me start with ARM China and, and work from there. Because I think ARM Arm China was a fantastic soap opera for a few years who owned it mm -hmm. and controlled it. I think that's mostly been resolved. And I, I don't think it's an overhang on the IPO anymore. Certainly, we have geopolitics that's going to play a role in this. But it's it's not like there's screaming problems at ARM China anymore. They, they, they've... Those have been settled. However, while that was going on, while ARM was part of SoftBank and while they went through almost becoming part of NVIDIA, the China semiconductor market exploded. And um, you now have thousands of fabulous companies in China who are designing chips. And when they needed a, a, an architecture, x86 wasn't on the table. So the choice was ARM versus RISC-V. And uh, risk five is free, right? It's a simple set. Risk five is free. Arm costs mm -hmm. X million dollars to start off with. So you're a ten person startup in China. It's the choice is pretty obvious. Um, and, and I think actually beyond the sort of the drama and the superficial stuff that was happening with Arm, they have a, a, a sort of deeper fundamental problem, which is. Their, their pricing model is inverted. And what I mean by that is, if you're a big ARM licensee today, you get the cheapest pricing. If you're a, a startup and you wanna to go to ARM, you have to pay the highest royalty rate there is. Uh, and, and I think that is made it very, very hard for chip startups to want to engage with ARM. It's just the can't, too expensive. And then you now have risk five, which is, not perfect, but it's a very workable alternative and it's ready to go. And I think that's been very appealing to thousands of companies in China, plenty of comp plenty of startups here. And then you sort of add on to that, the, the drama around the, is it gonna be part of a video or not? Is it gonna be, are we gonna get sued by ARM? That's made all the, the big US chip companies radically accelerate all their risk five ambitions. Yeah. So that's my yeah. bull, that's my bull case for for risk five. So so how do you then how, give a lay of the land on um on the on I guess the China risk risk five part of this? It, so so one I have a question that is that is their broader ambitions potentially limited uh, by internal lack of process leadership? Right. I mean I, I don't know where SM SMIC really is. I strongly doubt 
their seven nanometer leak or, you know, is, is legitimate. Um, but they'll make progress right past 16 and, and whatnot. But, but I guess how much, how much does risk five really even matter on leading edge process? And then I guess, is that a, is that a, is that a challenge to its adoption? Cause I know a lot of its applications today are not leading edge. Um, so yeah, maybe how do you see that part? So, I mean, that's, that's less of an architecture question and more of just a sort of what's going to go on in China. And I think most of those 2000 fabulous companies in China are, have access to whatever fab, whatever production node they need, whatever process node they need. Um, there are obviously plenty that, you know, 30, 40 on the entity list that cannot get access to TSMC. But right. Right. So there, now there's, you know, 1,960 that still can. A big question that China watchers are asking, China semi-watchers are asking is like, how much further will this go? How how far is the BIS and the U.S. government going to take this? And we, we don't know those questions. That's a whole other hour podcast about about that. But for the, mo- for, for the most part right now, all those thousands of Chinese chip companies can get access to TSMC. To your point, they don't always need it. A lot of them are built perfectly content building automotive, industrial parts, embedded parts on trailing edge fabs, which they can get wherever they need them. Um, I, I think what's, what's really interesting to me in China around RISC-V is the extent to which it's being used for every application imaginable. It's not just China. It's, I think that's here too. Certainly a lot of the initial progress that RISC-V made in China was around industrial and embedded solutions. Mm-hmm. But increasingly, it's showing up in lots more advanced processes now, and, or lots more advanced applications now. And I think that's, and that's certainly, I mean, it's, it's, true, it's true here, right? There's a, there's a RISC-V core in every iPhone now, I think, or multiple RISC-V cores. There's, Google is talking up RISC-V in big ways in, in TPU. Um, I, I just recently met with a startup who's in stealth mode, so I can't name them, but they're building a server grade CPU based on risk five. And I'm staring at their performance data now and it looks, it looks pretty compelling. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's like the far other end of the spectrum from, in, you know, industrial stuff. This is like cutting edge server CPU stuff. Yeah. And, you know, to your question earlier about like, do you need an architectural license for ARM? You, you don't need one for risk five or it comes with right. it. You just, you know, click through. Right. So, and, and, and that's, and that's the, why I think this, this, this conversation around risk five is super interesting because, you know, again, if everybody believes the point, you know, that we were talking about that, that, that we're moving from general purpose to much more specific purpose applications. And so companies who deploy this may own more of the software stack, whether that's again, right. Data center platform, um, compute, whatever, uh, that fits really well with risk five, right? Um, it lends itself to that, that approach, I think, because again, it's going to lend itself to specific purpose, more specific purpose applications than general purpose. But, but most people would think about the semi world in a general purpose bucket, not, you know, uh, unpacking that, Hey, we're moving to much more special purpose parts. And that's a reason why this, this play gets really, really interesting. Even if it's not the CPU, even if it's just accelerators or companion parts, you own your differentiation with those bits because you've controlled some stack part of that stack. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point because if you think about it, like fairly early on, ARM had a reputation for being low power. But if you ask yourself today, what's what's the real advantage of, of RISC-V versus ARM or x86? You, you don't have a snappy answer like that. Oh, it's not, it, it doesn't just stand for one thing. You can do, people are, people are going to try and do everything with it. Now, maybe we'll get down this path a few years and we we'll realize it's only good for certain things and not others. Um, but I think that there is enough flexibility built into it that you can sort of build whatever you want. And, and yeah. that's, that's part of what makes it interesting. Now, I do so, think that that company companies building CPUs and sort of general purpose parts on RISC-V are going to have massive software problems. Yeah, that's true. Right? Because yeah. I, just talk, I, mean, I just talked about that. It took 10 years for ARM to get to solve that problem. It'll be interesting to see how they how these companies approach it, um, but there, there's you know set that aside. If the world's becoming more custom and risk five, maybe that's risk five's you know elevator pitch. Oh, we're the we're the customizable one. I think that's I think that's kind of where we're headed. Well, and they're also the free one. <laughs> Economics is a huge point. Um, free one, yeah, right. So I, I think yeah. I know your your answer, but I just want to lob it out there. So, so is there a, is there a category where you think Risk Five might uh, take off and become more embedded faster than another category? So I've, I've I have two answers, and okay. one of them is straightforward, and one of them I think is going to be controversial. The first one is, let's just call it IoT like all the random things in this world, industrial, home networking stuff, refrigerators, like IoT. I think that's, that's I, I, I would, I've actually published a piece on this where I've said, that's already lost. That's like ARM has lost that. That's that's going to be okay. Okay. risk five, except for a few leading US companies that are already in the space who will probably be with ARM. But it, it's certainly in China, all those low level devices that come out of China, that's all going to go to risk five. Okay. That's a, that's a straightforward. The other one, I think there's a very good likelihood that AI inference in the at the edge is going to become risk five. Mm. Why? Right. And I, I think what one, I'm just speaking empirically, I see a lot of it. But I think I think what's happening is I mentioned at the, at the at the header of this is risk five is is a clean slate, mm -hmm. and that's and it has none of those complicated instructions, uh, custom extensions, and stuff like that. All that's stripped out. That actually leads to a pretty efficient processor. You can make a pretty efficient inference processor uh, for low power devices. Yeah, I think that's that's very powerful. Now, right, and yeah. certainly it it just like there's. It, uh, yeah, that's that's where I think the market's headed, and and I've had I've had a lot of people tell me this. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I mean, I know of at least two or three companies doing this on Risk Five uh, at scale. Um, that I think is is interesting. I thought you were going to say automotive, so I was incorrect. But uh, oh. <laughs> that was that was my j just because I and again only because I feel like one automakers will will need to differentiate more heavily in a software defined vehicle future, whatever that is, therefore more specialized silicon platforms, they control more of the stack. So that's why I was like, well, maybe automotive becomes an area where it, it checks these boxes that we're talking about, right? From a, from a differentiation and a strategic advantage viewpoint for something like risk five. So that's why I thought Jay might say <laughs> automotive, because I know you look at that space so much. 
It's yeah, okay. I've, I've been deeply deep. I've been deep deep into automotive electric vehicles for the last month. Uh, and, and actually, I'm scheduling uh, meetings at MWC, and Arm asked, offered me a briefing, and they gave me a choice of who I want to talk to. And I said, I want to talk to automotive people because um, I'm, I'm not quite ready to rule out Arm in the auto yet. Um, All right. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's because I think it's, it's one thing for Xpeng or Neo or one of these startup uh, EV companies in China to experiment around because they're all sort of doing their own chips. That 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 yeah, that probably is gonna be risk five. But are Ford and GM gonna go down that path? I I, no, I think they'll only do that if if Qualcomm takes them there, and or and Mobileye right. And so I I don't Mobileye isn't doing that. Qualcomm, we'll see how this lawsuit goes. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, we could do a whole a whole episode on that on that lawsuit but um i i, I don't want to piss off too many people summit. yes yeah. yeah exactly but there was, there was a risk five summit right before the holidays and yeah. there's a, a svp from qualcomm gave a gave yep. a talk and he said you know he, he said qualcomm has shipped 650 million risk five cores yeah which is which is a big number except like qualcomm probably ships you know four billion chips a year so yeah, it's, you know, probably a few billion, a few billion uh, arm cores every year. It's it's a good start. But I I didn't hear him say this, but somebody else told me that they he in that same talk he said Qualcomm has plans to move all their mobile stuff off of ARM to Risk Five over the next ten years. That that would just be. I I don't think that's public, but that might be speculation. But but again, not. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get. Too, too deep into each other, but you're exactly right. What you said about ARM trying to pressure or or change model with licensees that's going to rub licensees the wrong way. If that doesn't get resolved, Risk Five is a nice uh, a nice solution. And again, if you control enough of the software stack in your applications, it you can actually go and do that. Like that. That's the one thing. Like I don't think Apple has any need to move away from ARM because they have a very nice deal with ARM. Um, but you could always argue Apple would be the, one of the easiest to, to switch to risk five because they control the entire stack, right? Mm-hmm. The more vertical you are. Yeah. And, and, and that's just what, to my point of, of that, I think automotive is interesting is, is it will, I, I really do think in a, in a future of software defined vehicles, it's going to be highly competitive. And so differentiation is going to be even more important than it was in, um, in this previous sort of cycle because of that. I would argue there's going to be a little bit more need to be vertical and specialized in your approach to automotive. So Ford might need to be vertical, right? GM might need to be vertical, et cetera. You know, I think you could make an argument. And then if that's the case, again, we could talk about how much then custom silicon accelerators, whatever that is they need, because they, again, need to have much more specialized approach than just buying off the shelf parts from all the same vendors. Yeah. I I mean, to some degree, it's kind of hard to have this conversation because, and, and I'm constrained to auto, auto land now, like we don't really know what the software stack of the car is going to look like for electric vehicles, let alone autonomy. Right. 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 And so there's a lot, a lot that can change. Right. And so, you know, certainly in autonomy, NVIDIA has made some pretty heavy investments there. And yep, yep. They're, they're perfectly happy to stay on arm. They're in no hurry to get the risk five. Um, yeah. I, I think there's just a lot of big questions. I, I take your point though, like risk five is about customization. 
that's my new elevator pitch. And so yeah. you know, we're, we're, the, we're the customizable one. So you want to customize that. I, I, I do think our RISC-V will struggle with general purpose compute because of the software. Agreed. Totally agreed. Like our, right. A hundred percent. Yeah. But yeah, in, in, in the, uh, unless, unless all the auto companies sort of standardize on a common operating system, it's going to be a very different landscape. And, and they're not going to do that, right? They've, they've, they've seen that playbook. So they're, they're going to yeah. try really hard not to standardize. And so RISC-V is, is a pretty interesting alternative for them. Yeah, agreed. I, I love this topic and, and I like it again for the point that you made that there's more questions than answers. That's my favorite part when cycles like that happen in the industry. So I, I'm assuming we'll have many, many more things to talk about automotive, but we'll wrap for there. Um, I know you're going to be at MWC. So anybody that's listening to this, uh, feel free to reach out to Jay, um, you know, on Twitter, uh, at Jay Goldberg. Uh, I think we have our contact information on circuit dot circuit.fm. I won't be happily, but Jay, <laughs> Jay will be. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we teased a bunch of episodes. Yeah. There's some good, good content coming. So, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward. I ho- everyone should hopefully look forward to that. I am. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Cool. Uh, Good talking to you. Talk to you, everyone. All right. Bye. Bye.